Hey, everybody. How's it going? Great. So, have you may, as you may have noticed, we're kind of scooched forward today. And it was kind of an attempt to get us to, like, um, I don't know, break down physical barrier and be close and united together with each other. We're kind of uh, starting a new sermon series right now. Um, starting today in October, we're um, kind of focusing around this verse that is behind me. Um, because we have a lot of different uh, preachers come and talk to us about stuff, we wanted to give them something that they could link their sermons back to. And so um, for the next, the next while, we're going to be focused around John 15. Um, so we're going to be reading it every service. Um, I will start um, this week by reading it, but I may call for volunteers in the future and just like pick somebody and have you come up and read so that um, the congregation is included. Like this is our service, you know. We as a family are worshiping God here tonight, you know. So I want to give people the opportunity to participate in such a way. It's not like us up here are telling you how to worship God. We, we are including each other in this. So to be included, I'm going to have everybody stand. And uh, yeah, I'm going to read this. So Jesus is talking here. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. 
But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. This is the word of the Lord. You guys may be seated. Um, I'm going to ask that Greg come forward and give us the word. Um, I always like that. Um, let's move on. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, John 15. We'll start with 4, jump over to 16, and I'll close with Matthew 28. Uh, so let's pray, and then let's begin. Lord, you're a gracious God, and we thank you. We thank you for <laughs> what you've done for us and with us. And while we don't understand a lot of it, we know you love us. Give me wisdom today, I pray that the word would go out and that it would be understandable. So we commit this time to you and thank you because you did, in fact, love us first. In your son's precious name, amen. Last time we were together, I was trying to get across the difference between a message and a meaning. And we talked about a verse that we're all familiar with, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And through that text, we looked at not only what the problem was because the word so is adversarial, the issue was belief. And when Steve called me and asked me to do this text, I, to be quite honest, was, oh no. <laughs> You've changed my sermon. But it allowed me to not only translate, but to read this segment of scripture. As last time, we have to start with a presupposition. We're going to presuppose that there's one thing that God will not do. Not that he cannot, but that he will not. And what God will not do is God will not violate the will of the individual in regards to choices. He allows you to make your choice. And so with that in mind, we're going to begin John 15, and you've heard it before, but I'm gonna read John 4 to you, if I can find it. The first text we start, we'll start with three. You are already clean because of the words, plural, which I have spoken to you. Verse four, abide in me. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. The word abide is in the Greek called a subjunctive. And what that means is it's a tense of possibility. In English, we have things that are going to happen. I went shopping. I walked up the stairs. Or if I walk up, wake up in the morning and say, I think I'll wash the car. In English, that's a subjunctive. That's something that has not happened. But the potential for that to happen is there. I think I will go shopping. I think I will, whatever it takes for you to have a desire to do something, but not yet have done it. In the English, we would call that a subjunctive text. And so this text, this word here, abide, 
is in the subjunctive mood. This puts the, the word in the realm of possibility. Let me read this again. Abide in me, and I in you. Now the first part is a command. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And so here is the choice you have. Your choice is to abide in him. And the word is a sense that it is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment abiding. It's not something, well, I'm going to abide in the morning, and we're done. It's going to a situation where you have a problem, and you present yourself to the Lord, and he gives you an idea. Do this. Now you have a choice. You can either do what you feel the Lord would have you do, or you can move on and do something else. The choice is yours. The Lord's not going to take that away from you. Because the minute he takes a choice from you, he's responsible for that. And he wants you to be responsible not only for your actions, but for the consequence of those actions. So the first sense here is that the Lord is saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to abide in me. I want you to live and to Uh, include me in your life. I want you to walk down the street and if there's something going on that you're concerned about, you, you give it to me. I want you to have such a relationship with me that your choice, your first choice, is to not, oh God, what am I going to do? But it's going to be, God, what am I going to do? Instead of the last choice we have, when we've exhausted every possibility, every potential oopsie, and we end up, okay, I've made a mess of it, it's your turn. And so the abiding is a function of your choice. Because God does not violate the will of the individual in regards to the choice, the text is giving us a choice to remain in him or not. And here's the rub. In scripture, you have to include both sides of the coin. You have to say, it is possible to abide in the Lord, and it is possible not to abide in the Lord. Will he ever leave you or forsake you or kick you out? No. But here's an opportunity for believers to have a totally new set of information and knowledge that they can't get from a dictionary or Google or just knowing they have God. And so when we remain in the Lord, his provisions for us are part of the economy of our abiding. Okay. Then we get over to uh, five. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This also Bearing fruit is also a subjunctive. It's also a text of possibility. You have the possibility to bear fruit or not. And so as you abide in him, the ability and your, uh, your capability to produce what he wants you to produce is there. And here's the rub you don't get to choose the fruit. 
sorry. You don't get to say, I'm going to be, fill in the blank, I'm going to be the world's greatest evangelist, and you're a person who can't talk. I mean, you're, you just cannot talk. So how will you communicate God's love to another individual? You'll have to find some other means. We have a friend, I have a friend of mine who dearly wants to be up here and, and talk, but he doesn't have that capability. He, he just doesn't. He wants to be, they call me a talking head, so that's what I am, like, just talking head. <laughs> he wants to be a talking head. And he, he just, that's not the way he was wired. That's not who he is. But to listen to this man pray, whew, it's incredible what he does, <laughs> excuse me, on his knees. That's how he's wired. And so when you look to produce fruit, you have to let the Lord produce it through you. You have to let him choose what you're going to do. Oh, no, I'll back that up. You have to let him choose what you're going to produce. And sometimes producing fruit is as simple as a song. Your songs are great. I love your voice. I, I actually, excuse me, just talk amongst yourself. I actually played classical guitar for two years, uh, and it makes a great drum. Just incredible drum. You play it excellently. Thank you for that. Here we have the ability to allow God to produce in us something that we cannot produce ourselves. And here's another rub. Sorry, I'm going to burst another balloon. Um, you not only don't get to choose the fruit, you don't get to choose to whom the fruit's to go to. You see, when it says that you're going to produce fruit, what does the vine do when you have a grape? Does the grape sit there and grow and start spitting out the seeds and, you know, we're going to plant a seed over here. We're going to... The grape grows and it develops. The fruit is you. The fruit is in you. The fruit is for you. And so we have, we have had missionaries on the foreign, uh, foreign countries and they'd come in and they were just going to change the world. And the whole point and concept of being even short-term missionaries is to change yourself. That's what God's in the business of. He doesn't need 300 billigrams. He doesn't need 300 mics. He only needs one. And we got him. He's right there if you want to talk to him. We don't need 300 billigrams. Because God has you. He has you stocking shelves. He has you going down the street, talking to people. He has me in my area of influence. And he gives us the information we need to deal with where we are. But the whole purpose of being in the vine is so that you grow, that you develop, that you be more like him. Romans 8, 27, I think, that he, he foreknew that we be conformed to the image of his son. That's not rocket science. He wants you to look just like him. Now, to be honest, if you look like him, 
and I look like him, I'm missing a beard. <laughs> I'm missing something. But the, it's the inner self, it's our soul, that he wants to be conformed to his image. And that's what he's doing. That's why he's put you where he puts you. It's not a mistake. When you look at the text that I have chosen you, you haven't chosen me. And in the first century, that construct was a big construct because the disciples would always go to the rabbi and say, hey, I want you to teach me. But Jesus went to a fishing village and said, hey, I want you and you and you and you and you. Come follow me. Not only did their fathers have to agree to it, but they had to understand here was the first prophet in 400 years who wanted them, who chose them. And this text in 16 says the same thing. You haven't chosen me. I chose you. I looked down the corridors of time and said, you're the one I want. You're the one I want in 2019. And I'm going to grow you and develop you and teach you and give you experiences so that when the time comes for you <laughs> to bear fruit, you'll be ready. Again, you have no idea what fruit it is. That's not your purview. Your purview in the subjunctive case is to make the choice to bear fruit for God. It's your desire to remain in Him. And because He chose you, because you, out of all the people of all the world in this city, He chose you to remain in Him. But He's not going to force you. He's not going to drag you by the hair or the beard through the door, down the stairs, and out the door and say, Talk to Him. It's that still small voice where the Lord's saying, hey, there's an area in your life I need to work on. Will you let me do it? It might hurt, but let me do it. Because you <laughs> will look more like me when I'm done than you do right now. <clears throat> the choices that we make, one will follow us. And we need to recognize that. The fruit that God wanted was not fruit that would be fruity. I mean, a banana is a banana. An apple's an apple. They both taste good. But that's not the fruit that the Lord wanted. The Lord wanted you to bear fruit and to choose to bear fruit. But he wanted you to bear fruit that would remain the remain and the idea and thought construct there is through eternity. And so when we look at the fruit that he's trying to have us develop, or he's trying to develop in us, he's looking at eternal fruit. Again, the Lord might have you as an evangelist talking to the people in downtown Denver. Fine, mazel tov. But what he's trying to do is bring you to look like him. And will that ever finish? No, sorry. The day you die, you'll still be working on it. 
there's, there's no end to it. The reason is, there's, I'm looking around, I don't see anybody here who could take God's place. We will always be learning. When the verse of scripture says, many are called, few are chosen, you're called to something, you're chosen for something. You were called to be born in what I call the third people group from the resurrection to the rapture. You were called to be born here. He looked at you and says, ah, I need a musician. I got one. But you were chosen for, and you were chosen for to be conformed to his image. Fruit that with, which lasts has to deal with us. So I stand, I sit before you now and say, what kind of fruit do you want? What are you willing to give up to submit to him? Now again, it's a choice deal. Uh, Lord and I have dickered for years. Well, I'll give up my banana, but I'm not giving you my apples. I'll give you this, but I won't give you that. And the Lord says, okay, I'll take this. But don't forget, it's mine. You can't go back to it. It's not yours anymore. The choices we make will follow us, and he wants us to be with him forever. That's the four part. In Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go ye therefore into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what the text says. Not what it means. We look at that when I was a graduate of Moody Bible Institute, they hammered us with that. You are here to be a missionary, and you must be a missionary. And so all the focus and classes and the, the languages were all focused on being a missionary. That's what the school's about. And they do it very well. There are people who have called, who are called to be foreign missionaries, but there are many more who are called not to be. The text that uh, in Matthew 28, 19 doesn't say go. The first word is a part of, well, it's an ING word. It's going. In English, would have to be, we'd have to add a few words. As you are going, make disciples. For years, I thought the disciples were violating the will of God. Here he told them in Matthew 20, go into all the world. What did they do for the first five years? They stayed in Jerusalem. I mean, come on. You had a sense of go. And here these guys are staying. There's a disconnect here. Something's wrong. But the, the correct meaning of that text is, as you are going, make disciples. And a better sense of that would be, as you're living your life, make disciples. As you're stocking shelves, as you're doing your art, as you're doing whatever you do, make disciples. What's the most powerful power you have? Anybody? I see that hand. The most powerful power you have is prayer. You have access 
to the Most High 24-7, 365, in a leap year 366. You have the power to go before the throne. Now, just like God will not violate the will of the individual, you cannot violate the will of the individual either. You cannot go up to your, your better half, your son, your child, or whatever, and say, Lord, make him stop. No. Not going to happen. Now, if you give the kid a cookie, I'm sure he'll stop. But when you pray, you have to pray in the way God would want you to pray. That you would protect and guide and give information. That you would give them understanding. And that God would develop wisdom in their hearts so that they knew how to deal with this knowledge that you're asking for them to receive. The other thing that's most important is your shield. That's the only piece of equipment that you can move wherever you want it. You have control of that shield. And so when you pray, and you're praying for somebody else, ask the Lord to shield and protect them, because that's your right. The most important thing that I could, could leave you with is, you are special. You're not a mistake. God chose you because of who you are right now. Now, granted, he had to take me through a whole bunch of stuff to get me to where I am now. But where I sit right now, that's what God wants. And he wants somebody, an, an individual who will be open to him, submissive to him, and allowing him to produce the fruit that he thinks is needed at that point in time. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're important. God chose you. And the first part of this text was, you are already clean. You, you already have his righteousness. You don't have to struggle trying to be good for God. You've got it. But if you're focused on one thing, for me, for many years, it was, I must read the Bible two hours every day. Have you ever tried that? If you're not in school, that's hard. If you're not studying for a sermon, that's hard. I could never measure up. And finally, the Lord said, you know, I would rather you read five minutes and get what you're reading than fall asleep after 15. Because the fruit that he wanted in me wasn't tied to what I was doing. The fruit that he wanted in me it was tied to what he was doing. So let God work in you. Let him develop your fruit. Let him show you what he wants. Make that choice because he will not. He's not going to bang on the door. He's not going to bang the door down. He will give you chance after chance after chance to learn a lesson. But at some point in time, he'll back off and say, okay, this is, this is not something that's going to work. We're going to have to do something else. But because God will never leave you and he will never forsake you, he's not giving up. He's not giving up on you. He's not giving up with you. And he's certainly not going to go away. Let's pray. 
Father, you're a gracious God, and we thank you. We thank you that we can bear fruit, that we can grow and develop and change and be something that is conformed to your image, something that you allow us to be different, that when people look at us, they say, what are you doing? What's different with you? I pray that every person here would hear your voice as to what you would have them to do, that they would hear your voice as what you would like to do in their life, that they would make the choices they need to make to conform and to commit themselves to you, not on a yearly basis or a monthly basis, but on a daily, on a a half-day basis, that they would submit themselves and say, yes, Lord, you're the one I want to follow. And I pray, Father, that as they do the work you've asked them to do, whether it's writing a note to family saying, I love you, or cleaning out a gutter, or fixing a car, or whatever you would have them to do, that at some point in time, as they're going and as they're living their life, they would learn to make a disciple. They would plant a seed, or fix the soil, or harvest, and that you would allow them most importantly, Lord, that you would allow them to see your hand in their life. So we thank you. Thank you for this congregation. I pray you'd bless them, not only in what they do in their outreach, uh, financials, uh, pastorate, but more than that, Lord, that you'd bless and give a double portion of strength and courage to the leadership here. In your son's precious name, amen.